Welcome to Brandonites, a podcast in which we hear from people around Brandon, Manitoba, who are passionate about what they're up to. This podcast is brought to you by the Western Manitoba Regional Library. Today's guest is Dave Barnes from the Assiniboine Food Forest Initiative. Happy listening. Welcome to the library today. Uh, do you, I'm Robin, and it's really good to meet you for the first time. Hi, Robin. Do you want to do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, sure. I would be happy to tell you about myself. Let's keep this short and sweet. Hopefully, um, yeah, I'm a Winnipeg-born boy, and and I was uh, born in 1952. That makes me an old timer now. But at the same time, I've spent my life. Uh, immersed in nature from earliest ages. I had the great good fortune to live in nature since I was 15 years old. I have just lucked into country homes and acreages uh, when I came to Brandon and now I inhabit what I consider to be the finest wild cityscape in, in the city of Brandon along the river in amongst the woods. It's been a blessing to be living my life and learning to be appreciative and caring and also active in, in the pursuit of the healthy natural world. So I have blessings and because of these I, I feel like acting. I'm a retired school teacher. I centered my work on, on um, getting kids out of the classroom. That's putting a kind of a straight objective light on it. I thought that the more time we could be in nature or even in the community, I, I felt that that was very valuable time. I saw the results many times. And so, uh, yeah, I've retired from school teaching now 11 years and I still find myself teaching because our Assiniboine <laughs> food forest is a teaching landscape. So uh, how did you come, how did the Assiniboine food forest come to be? What's its mm -hmm. origins? Well, I, I guess I'll, I'll take the credit for the original idea. I pursued a, a course in permaculture in 2011. I moved into my property, which is right next door to the food forest. It's, it's, the, city, it's the city landscape that surrounds my property. Right. My own personal property is 10 acres, and the city's uh, Assiniboine food forest is 40 acres, all along the river. So uh, the idea came to me in 2011 when I began to study permaculture. And I, took, uh, I studied what was called a permaculture design certificate with a bunch of fine folks out of Clearwater, Manitoba. What a hotbed of agricultural <laughs> health that place is. And so uh, I came to love these ideas and being surrounded by forests of ancient, beautiful oaks on the city on the city's landscape, all around my property are these amazing oak forests. And so I, of course, fell in love with them and felt that I was part of that ecosystem. And it was, just became a great idea to get protection for that oak forest. So permaculture is a new concept for me. Mm. So I'm going to say it's okay. no synthetic fertilizer and Definitely. it's no irrigation. What else is it? Well, you know, irrigation might be undertaken once in a while, adding water uh, to plants right. that you've just planted. Sure. Well, not long-term. Long-term, yeah. the well, you could think of permaculture as a type of agriculture. 
um, that, that is an agriculture which does not depend upon annual disturbance of the soil. If you're going to disturb soil in a permacultural development, you're only going to do it once. Okay. And uh, so we, we hope at one point to, you know, every time you plant a tree, you're disturbing soil. And um, we, we have our dreams, our sights set on a big uh, soil disturbance, but it would only happen the one time. Okay. And uh, in, the, uh, in the effort to um, rewild our 40 acres. Think of it as rewilding. Maybe okay. you've heard that term. And at the same time, yes, no chemicals, no pesticides, and with a vision to recreate the most biodiverse, thriving collection of different ecosystems as we could on the plot okay. of land. And weaving into it at the same time, food, uh, fruit, okay. nuts, bearing trees and shrubs, not only for people uh, of the future, but also for wildlife. What yeah. are some of the accomplishments that, that have happened on that land already? Well, let me see. Well, we have, um, we have launched a community orchard. Okay. A one-acre orchard. And we've now planted upwards of 100 trees in that orchard. We collected our first fruit last summer, uh, towards the fall. And okay. every year now, the bounty will increase. Okay. We've probably planted about two-thirds of it. Okay. So more planting to go, and then lots and lots of work to come. Sure. In future for the community. We, it's all volunteer run. Okay. And it's never going to be sold for money. It's okay. to feed people. Is there a gleaning project associated with it? Or uh -huh. how is there, what happens to this bountiful harvest that comes off your orchard? Yeah, well, we, it's hard to predict everything because we don't have it yet. Right. But uh, as we envisioned it at the outset of the orchard project, it would be to, um, well, we would hope to have members of that orchard, yeah. uh, of that project, who would like to have a fruit investment to them. Okay. We would love to have the members get fruit. And uh, that could be hopefully many, many members. And uh, if we get going and thriving, we should be producing much more than a handful of 20 or 30 right. volunteers could eat. And so we, we see uh, supporting the community uh, social services as much as we can. Therefore, okay. you know, Samaritan House, you just name them okay. all, everywhere when, where someone would like to use some fruit. Okay. And we do foresee, of course, a future time where food insecurity, I mean, food insecurity is not going away. It's becoming yeah. in our world. So, but our emphasis will be on the distribution of the fruit. We must not, it would be a sin in our project to allow fruit to rot right. on the ground. We don't want to see that. We want it all delivered into hungry mouths. So if someone is listening to how passionately you speak about this and go, okay, this is a project I want to be a part of. How, <laughs> how do people get involved with yeah. the work that you're doing? Well, this is a, this is a rocky road too. It's a, I'm much more of a, you know, an old timer that loves to babble and tell uh -huh. stories about nature. And I don't do this uh, social media <laughs> all that well. But we have a website. Okay. We have a Facebook page. Sure. We do Instagram. Okay. That's about as much as I know about these things sure. or care to know. Okay. But, you know, we'll, we will launch a, a Facebook page just for the orchard this year, I think, to generate a good volunteer bunch who want to do the orchard. Okay. And then we have other projects underway too that might um, 
take value from their own little site. What are some but, projects that you kind of see up and coming now that the mm -hmm. weather's changing? Oh boy, we've got one going on the, on, the, on the books right now, on the land. We've been very busy last summer um, preparing for uh, what we are going to call Dana's Garden. It's oh, going to be okay. a wildflower and native prairie okay. restoration. We are going to see there, uh, plant there. Actually, we'll be doing the planting coming up in June, May, June, whenever okay. the weather uh, tells us to plant. And our site is, we hope, ready to go. We've kept it fallow and black. It's a okay. one-acre patch, about the same size as the orchard is. Okay. And uh, it's, it, we have worked hard last summer to eliminate weeds out of that patch of ground. Okay. No chemicals. It, uh, and we're only going to disturb the land once, right? Yes. Yes, and we've been we've we've actually disc plowed it. Okay. That is turned the turf over on itself, cut it and turned it over. Okay. And then we went through it with a harrows many many times, which is uh, six inch tooth breaks that just dredge up the the um, grass rhizomes because okay. those invasive grasses. They go forever, don't they? They're so hard to defeat. I don't know how many farmers told me this summer uh, over the last year that you can't, you'll never do it without Roundup. Oh. I've been told that by every knowing oh, no. planter that I, yes. that I wear of. And yet we did it. Okay. <laughs> it feels like a great success. No, I shouldn't. I can hear my colleague. Uh, getting ready to take me on here and say, yeah, well, we don't know yet if we accomplished it. Because, uh, you know, the, wind, the spring melt yeah. is going to allow, uh, add a lot of water into that uh, hopefully fallow black sure. soil. And well, it could spring up weeds still, so. But we doubt it. We doubt it. <laughs> oh, I can just, okay, so. Mm -hmm. So the planting is going to happen in the spring. Yep. Things are going to kind of start to take off in July and August. Yes. So really, if people want to visit, they should go a few times to see oh, the absolutely. progress happen. And then, you know, the other thing that we do, Rob, and perhaps our major public impact to this point has been our nature trails. We have cleared and we do maintain nature trails through the woods. And we've developed uh, also a self-guiding map booklet, uh, which can help a person to yes. negotiate the trails. So really, education is another big part of our work. And so, uh, of course, the trails will be coming along around and even through okay. the prairie restoration sure. as, it, as it grows. So that will be a, a beautiful experience for families to enjoy. But we are having such a lot of uh, families coming through and uh, just strolling the trails and enjoying the nature interpretation signs and there are regulars you know just watch them uh, you know this weekend perhaps yeah this weekend will be good weather right oh it brings people out okay and they're on the trails it's so lovely to see and it is you know as someone who's new to brandon when you you know i had that great discovery of Crow's General Store, mm -hmm. being handed a map, and, and you know, here's your ice cream, now go for a walk, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that perfect family opportunity of destination, you know, and activity. Yeah, so I know. it's a great way to, and it's, and I, I feel that the trail is really accessible. I mean, it's, it's accessible for people in that it's 
not too hilly. It's not that's too right. hilly. It can be a little swampy sometimes, depending yeah. on when you're there. That's right. But it's it's pretty accessible well, for people. Oh, you've been on it. Oh, yeah. Robin, isn't that wonderful? Well, when you're new to town, you want to check out <laughs> kind of the things that are happening and around, I right? I admire that. And I have to say that map was my gateway to getting, you know, just a better understanding yeah, of Brandon. That's and great. I'm works. so happy to hear it. Because I think the prairies is different. Like I'm from the West Coast, so I understand mountains and oceans. And then mm. the prairies is a whole different thing. So this com concept of permaculture for prairies yeah. is really different. Because I think the thought is, is that we have all this open land in Manitoba, but we don't because it's farmed now. Yes. And, it, and that impact of farming is quite different than the impact of what you're trying to do. Yes, really what we are doing is unfarming. <laughs> What a if great, you would. we need that on a t-shirt for there, right? Unfarming. Well, a better Unfarming. term might be, you know, what the farmer, what the, the modern industrial farmer does is basically uh, drain landscapes. Right. Uh, ditching is what, uh, sure. is what it's called. You know, we want to get that, we want to drain that water off in the spring okay. so that we can make more money. Right. And uh, it's a bit of a dangerous logic because the planet is paying the price for this. Uh, more and more aggressive drainage. So what we really propose to do in permaculture is the opposite of that. We want to capture water. Right. We don't want to send it anywhere else because it is life. Water is life. And um, when you capture it and hold it on the land, you gain incredible benefits in habitat and um, ecosystem growth. Well, and I think in Brandon, we're all using water out of the Assiniboine River. Yep. For we whatever, are. whether we're drinking it or we're watering grass with it, it's mm -hmm. all the same water and how we can be respectful yep. and use it in the, for the best way is an interesting concept. So how has the community really supported AFI and the work that it does. And I guess you could define community however you want. Is it, mm -hmm. you know, through the city? Is it through community groups? Is it through individuals? Kind of what kind of support are you getting back? Well, we have a volunteer base, which, which will become, we hope that it will grow. Okay. We're wet behind the ears, Robin. We've only been here in action for five years. We incorporated oh, in 2014. Wow. So, so oh, we're, wow. we're brand new, new here too. You're brand new. You could ask citizens all over Brandon and then they wouldn't know anything about okay. us. Uh, golly, I'd like to ask all the councillors if they've been on the, on the sure. trail, on the nature trail. I, I bet, I dare say many, I can see many a field trip. I can see a field trip coming up. <laughs> oh, I think it's in the offing. <laughs> um, your question again? So how has the community supported the work yes. of AFI? Well, mostly by being present at special events. We have held okay. many special events that we have ticketed and sold and gained a little profit from. We have done uh, maple syrup tours okay. uh, for, I think, about four years now, uh, although we've had to COVID cancel. Okay. But that's been an, a magnificent way for, for people to support us financially okay. and get some, some learning and some family fun at, at maple syrup time, sure. which is, of course, coming up soon. Um, but now we've, we've necessarily scaled that back. Sure. So we've lost some fundraisers there. We've hosted a big festival for many years. Okay. Well, I have hosted a festival for many years and made the food forest the um, okay. nominal And uh, is it music? Recipient. It's music, yeah, music. it's a music festival. Oh, neat. But again, we've not done it last year and, uh, and we're not planning one this year. So okay. it's hard to say what you're gonna do with a music festival right. in these pandemic times. Sure. 
Um, but um, people make donations, people buy memberships, uh, people purchase maple syrup, which is uh, partially um, the ticket price, uh, supports okay. the food forest. And golly, somehow even though last year was a financial disaster, it, really, if you were our, our treasurer, you might say, out of the blue come corporate donations, you know, corporations oh, okay. are stepping up. We've had a, a local person win a prize from a corporate sponsor, um, and the, the addendum was you get $5,000 to support the charity of your choice. Oh, wonderful. Hey, you just got a check for $5,000. So when you kind of into a windfall like that, yes, you, you must have a plan for it or a dream for it or know where it wants to go. The project itself? Yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> oh, I want to tell you, Robin, <laughs> the very first such windfall yeah. gift that was given to us in the very first year of our existence was David Suzuki. Oh! It was election year. There's, there's a British Columbia man after my own heart. When was election year? 13 or 14, the federal election. But at any rate, it was in there. Okay. I should have memorized that before coming on the podcast. But... David Suzuki came to town. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was brought into Winnipeg by a friend at, a, at the University of Winnipeg sure. to do a talk okay. pre-election in the fall. Sure. And wouldn't you know, we scooped him to come out here. Great. He spoke at the uh, local, um, at the WMCA and donated all the tickets to us. Oh, wonderful. That's beautiful to receive gifts. So was that kind of your seed money for a lot of your projects? It was very much yeah. our seed money, yes. But we do have uh, regular memberships and renewals. $20 a year would get you a membership if you feel like supporting us. Okay. And then we have various and sundry ways of okay. looking for money. We've received wonderful gifts from the local foundation, the uh, okay. Brandon Area Community Foundation. Oh, okay. Gifted us $4,000 uh, towards the construction of the orchard. And then the... Uh, they upped it. They actually doubled it by appealing to the um, Canadian oh, equivalent okay. yeah. of local charitable foundations. Wonderful. Yeah. So where do you see AFI going in the future? What's your dream for it? Well, I think as we make strides in habitat reclamation and regeneration, and as people see the landscape there which in many ways has been you know it, it's degraded I don't, I don't want to be negative about it but right. the habitat itself is degraded by invasive species right now these got there because my former residence which or my residence yeah. was formerly an agricultural okay institution a farm if you would and isn't this the way that much of this goes the um, the farming practices that we use have have ended up being very have been promoting endanger, invasive species on our landscape. We, just by grazing cattle. Sure. Our, our, our landscape of uh, 40 acres is 10 acres of lovely trees and forest, 30 acres of degraded grassland. Okay. Which was put there by, by grazing cattle, by machinery sure. that go yeah. from place to place, and uh, had turned into a sea of leafy spurge and thistle and invasive bromgrass, not as biodiverse as yeah. we would like to see. So we certainly wish to regenerate prairie, which we're doing, and we want to spread that out. And we wish to, uh, our, our big dream uh, that will have the biggest impact of all will be the uh, restoration of 
the water conservation earthworks right. to capture the annual water loss. And that will produce a pond and wetland of amazing, amazing right. beauty. And that will recharge the, the uh, water table and power forward the uh, production of trees all around the pond and wetland and become a, a real treasure. So this is, when this happens, then I think the project will. So as the natural habitat comes back, mm -hmm. what um, wildlife do you see coming back to that area? Because mm -hmm. if it was primarily cattle before or cows before, what's going to be there now? Well, the... Or in the future? Let's see now. Well, yes, it won't. Primarily, we have a huge population of deer. Okay. Uh, as ungulates, that's the dominant ungulate. We have uh, coyote and fox right. in, in numbers, badger, uh, porcupine, lots of other predator animals, sure. uh, weasel and mink, otter, beaver, uh, beaver are everywhere. <laughs> so we just see more places for these animals. Oh, okay. Essentially our waterworks project promises to be, make us into super right. beavers. We'll be there to really create not only just a, just a, a wall of sticks, but actually do a little bit of modern excavation and then line it with clay and then, and then make a nice clay earthen dike sure. that holds that water perfectly and uh, stretches out the length of the pond's uh, beauty every summer. So what, what I, the, one of the things that amazed me when I got to walk through there and I walked through in August was dragonflies. And mm -hmm. I haven't seen a lot of dragonflies mm -hmm. on my property, but you certainly have them there. Yes. So you obviously have the water yeah. and the plant life and the mosquitoes. I have mosquitoes too. That, um, <laughs> that support all that. So I, I guess that will just keep continuing to grow well, uh, and evolve. Oh man, as a pond might establish itself and grow there, we see that as being a very rich environment for the support of amphibians and reptiles, notably frogs. We have four oh. species of frog that call wow. and breed in my pond on yeah. the property at my place next door. But that pond has been subject to the surface pollution coming out of the um, storm sewer system sure. of the city. So after mid-July, the pond on my property gets a bit smelly. Right. and less uh, attractive to, to uh, amphibians, but a pond that we would excavate uh, containing only snowmelt and, and right. rainfall would be a, just a gift to amphibians and, and reptiles, as well as all the myriad insects which would inhabit it. And uh, in, the, in the event of the blessing of, a, of spring flood some year, it would flood. It would, right. it would flood occasionally as, uh, as nature has her way. And that would introduce all sorts of biota from the river itself, like small fish. Yeah. The stickleback, the, the Assiniboine is a diverse and rich fish environment. So we would hope to see the survival and the continuing health of right. small fish that the river gave us. So and is the Assiniboine River, and my apologies for not knowing more about it, is it a bit of a wandering river? Like does it change its pathways over time? Or oh, are yes. we trying to, and I, and I think that's the, I think that's the big laugh, right? Of the universe that we as mankind think we can contain a river. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes make decisions yes. that are not beneficial to the river because mm -hmm. the river will find its own pathway. 
And does yes. the Assiniboine travel like that? The Assiniboine is a prairie river and slow moving. Okay. Uh, it was originally drained by much larger, larger glaciers right. coming from the west. So it only it only receives annual snow melt now from the high ground okay. in the upper upper Assiniboine basin. Um, so these rivers tend to snake, right. and uh, they tend to carve out the outside of every turn. tends to get carved out right. every spring with the floods. So right. this is what's happening, and and so the winds get a little bit windier and windier okay. until they finally make an oxbow. Right. They cut themselves off yeah. a little piece and then shorten their dis their trajectory. Well, the Assiniboine is doing that. But these spring floods that we've had this decade are an ominous sign of what's to come. Right. And they have been brought to us mm, thanks to modern agriculture. Right. You've got to say it. The, the um, upstream basin of the Assiniboine in many parts of Saskatchewan has been basically drained to the extent that wetlands no longer absorb. Right. The wetland is nature's sponge. And it's, I've heard the of snow it, melt. I've heard of that as nature's sponge, but also nature's lungs. Yes, in some right? senses, yes. Right, because it filters air too, right? So all that plant life needs to be there. Well, I think the service of the sponge is amazing, as it tends to support biodiversity. Right. So the drainage that projects that we have carried on everywhere have meant that the spring flood now, the snow melt, just comes roaring down rather than filling all right. these local sponges to hold onto it and let it go slowly. And of course, there's where our water project was, tends to go. We want to be one of those sponges holding onto snow melt. Yes, let's be the sponge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a, yeah, and, and we could never, uh, we could never create that. Nature's just doing it. And yeah, they're definitely, we should be finding a way to yeah. support that. We so should be beavers. We should we... be, it's a darn good profession <laughs> for humans. We'd have shiny coats. Perhaps <laughs> our teeth would be orange. And we don't go randomly cutting down trees like beavers do. <laughs> True. <laughs> they tend to get in trouble with farmers. Is there a, a message you want to leave with our listeners today, Dave? Well, it's so hard to take the bulk of your work and say, hey, this is yeah. kind of what I want you to leave with. But what do you want to leave our listeners with? I, I want to say, come visit. Come visit the food sure. forest. We're going to work on signage this summer and make it more comprehensible where we are. Okay. But strolling in nature and viewing the beauty that is there now sure. is a wonderful way to get some inspiration, to gain some sanity. We live in a world where our families and our children and our old, older people, are we're all being tormented in so many ways. And so it's time, it's time for us all to come together and, and face our place in nature and community. We need to build community. So seeing more people out there will be a, a blessing. Well, Dave, it was just a pleasure to spend this time with you. It was an honor to meet you. And thank you for sharing your words with us today. You're very welcome, Robin. Thank you for your interest. That concludes another episode of Brandonites. Thank you to our guest, Dave Barnes, and our interviewer, Robin Stewart. We will be posting episodes bi-weekly, so please subscribe to get notified about the next one. If you'd like to suggest a future guest for our podcast, send me an email at alex at wmrl.ca.
Don't forget to visit us at one of our branches located in downtown Brandon at the Shoppers Mall or in Carberry, Glenborough, Hartney, and Nipua. Check out our collection of books or our e-resources at wmrl.ca and see what we have going on for programs. Until next time, take care. Thank you.